Hello, adventuresses, and welcome to the podcast dedicated to women who love horses, travel, and most of all, adventure. My name is Heather, and I'm here today with my partner, Uta, and we are talking about the season, the season of, I guess, the the Northern Hemisphere, winter, my least favorite season. Um, But hi, Uta, how are you doing? I'm doing well, very well. How's everyone today? I'm super excited to be here and talking with you about winter because I know you have a very long and very cold winter. Um, me being in Germany at the moment, I'm just kind of on the onset of winter, but I actually enjoy winter probably because I have not had a decent winter in many years now being in India. Well, you're lucky because I saw your pictures that you were, have been posting and you're still riding on like grass and there's leaves. Uh, when I look outside, everything is white um, and it's cold. Uh, we didn't, we seem to have a, a nicer fall, but then it was like, there wasn't that gradual where it just gradually gets a little bit colder. It went from being like nice to cold. Like there okay. wasn't that, Ooh, it feels chilly today. It was like cold. <laughs> uh, we've had a couple like, real good storms already where like highways were closed and freezing rain and then zero visibility. Oh yeah. Full on winter. And, and it's so funny. My horse is uh, very much like he comes out of his shelter and he, and he, he like sticks his nose out and he's like, Oh, this white stuff's back. I think I'll just stay inside today. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like the cat that sticks one paw out and is like, Nope. Not nope, doing that. Going back in. <laughs> that that well, is, uh, that's right. Yeah, but you still can't deny there's something truly magical about riding through deep snow. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, even if you come from an area where you have little or no snow in winter, there's plenty of amazing horse riding destinations in wintertime where you can experience this kind of snow riding. So today we talk a little bit about where to go, where to head to have one of these amazing winter riding experiences. Yes. So I'm super excited to talk about some areas in here in Western Canada and uh, the ins and outs of that. Um, And where are you going to talk about? Well, I'm here in Europe, uh, so I'll be probably talking about or what means probably I'll be talking about some areas in Europe, some places in Europe uh, where you can go uh, and experience snowy rides and winter activities. Perfect. Well, I think let's head to the show. Let's go. We are explorers. We are trailblazers. We love to do what cannot be done. We love to test our limits, cross borders, and we love the freedom horses bring us. We seek lands without fences. Who are we? We are equestrian adventuresses. We are a community of women who love horses, travel, and adventure. To infinity and beyond! And now your hosts... Today's podcast is sponsored by Stone Horse Expeditions in Mongolia. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to visit a distant land, ride across unfenced grassy hills, down long flower-filled valleys, crossing rivers and mountain passes, making camp in beautiful riverside setting, and watching the horses graze in nearby meadows, all while sipping a glass of wine, or perhaps a cup of tea, just as the sun goes down. And then, do it again tomorrow, and again, for days at a time. 
Stone horse expeditions in Mongolia with their easygoing yet tough Mongolian horses, each with an unforgettable character, may be just the trip you were looking for to help rebalance in pristine nature with like-minded friends after a long absence of travel. Stone horse provides a safe, small group environment, taking care of your needs from the moment you arrive till the moment of departure. Their seasoned staff and experienced trip leaders, their own comfortable handmade saddles, and the delicious meals conjured up each night will make for an adventure of a lifetime. With a combined expedition experience of 40 plus years, the owners of Stonehorse know what to provide you to make each trip a memorable experience. Whether traveling with friends or making new ones along the way, you will add to the story of Stonehorse and it will become a part of your own. You can contact Stonehorse through their website at www.stonehorsemongolia.com or email them directly at info at stonehorsemongolia.com to learn more about how you can join them as they travel by horseback through the cultural and wilderness landscapes of this enchanted land. Okay, adventuresses, we're back talking about the wintry season of horse riding. Uh, Lots of different choices that you can do here in Western Canada. Um, there are, you know, a variety of winter activities that you can do, not only with riding, but you can go on sleigh rides, you can do dog sledding. Um, you know, the, the one aspect of winter riding that I've always liked is that lazy man's riding where you just like have the halter and go bareback because ah, it's too cold to warm up the bit and all of those kind of things. But I wanted to specifically talk about <clears throat> an actual like guided ride that you can still do in the winter time here in uh, in Western Canada in the Rocky Mountains uh, <clears throat> in the Kananaskis region. So that's just, you know, as the foothills end just outside of Calgary uh, and just as you start uh, the Rocky Mountains, you know, it's really an opportunity to experience the um the magical snowy uh, ho riding holiday in in Western Canada. Traditionally, it's going to be a more Western based, um, but you know you're really going to embark on a truly spectacular experience and discover in the saddle, you know, the breathtaking panoramas of the Rocky Mountains in the heart of winter. Um, you know, there's they're beautiful horses trained to take you safely through the wilderness. Um, it's going to, you know, some of these ones include all of your meals um, and you are on on their horses. So this is not a ride where you're bringing in your your own horse, um, but you're you're going through um mountain passes you're you're following uh creeks and rivers and uh it really is uh something spectacular to uh to see um let me just double check my notes here um lots of these rides um do have uh like most rides there's always some weight limits um the pace obviously in winter time when you're dealing with snow and ice um they're it, they're going to be a definitely a slower paced ride it's pretty much all walking now there may be some opportunities where uh, you might be able to do a little trotting, um, but predominantly it is going to be a slower paced ride. Um, <clears throat> this one in particular, you do have to be fairly horse savvy because you will be, you know, part of the crew where you're, you know, tacking and untacking your horse. Um, they do have temperature um, guidelines that, uh, you know, 
once it gets down to minus 20 degrees Celsius there, you know, the rides may be modified and those kind of things. Um, so, so, you know, kind of keep that in mind. And, and a topic we are going to discuss next week uh, is some gear that you might need when you go on, on, uh, on these rides. Um, but, you know, you're going to be riding horses, little, you know, some little heavier, some Pertrins, some paints, there's Welsh ponies, quarter horses, um, you know, they're all working, robust, tufted, sure-footed horses that are going to take you through uh, the foothills and the Rocky Mountains of uh, Western Canada. So, so that's something um, that you you could look forward to in the winter time. Now, what about you, Uta? Where where are you taking us to today? Well, I mean, in Europe, we have a couple of really great riding um, places to go in winter time. As I said already, I love riding in the snow. Um, I can imagine that you have a lot of it that you're not quite as enthusiastic about it um, as me, for for instance, or as some of our listeners. Um, I wanted to share one of the great advantages of going up north during winter with you. And that's, of course, the Aurora Borealis, the northern lights. Um do you see northern lights at your place already or are you too far south? No, we we on occasion can see them. It depends on how close you are to uh to a major city because some of the 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 white light that comes yeah. even at night you do see it. Um I was out in the in the country last night um and it's called a a dark dark country zone. Um there's an observatory there. Uh, and it was it was really quite spectacular driving back into Calgary where it was so dark where I was and you could just see the glow of the city. You couldn't see the city the horizon yet, but you could just see the glow of it. Um but on on a if the a, it was kind of cloudy here yesterday so you wouldn't have been able to see any of the northern lights but on a cloud-free night in that dark zone you definitely can see the the beautiful the greens and the oranges that come yeah. out of the out of the northern lights yeah the beautiful colors yeah you usually have to head up to 60 to 75 degrees of latitude in order to see them really but i know canada is a prime spot but if you um so this is one of the of the big things people had north to see um the these beautiful northern lights um because they're really magical um I don't want to bore you with details just very quickly. They are basically due to solar activities, to so-called solar winds or storms, and they take place near the northern or the, uh, near the north or the south pole. Um, and it's basically electric particles from the sun, which come into contact with our atmosphere and different gases and causing these, uh, gas, uh, atoms to light up. And nowadays, even people have found out the different colors. Like, for instance, green, um, is the oxygen in the air. Um, uh, nitrogen causes the, the blue or the red colors. So it's quite interesting actually to go and see them. So this is one, um, big reason why people head up north in winter or south. Um, you can also see them in New Zealand or in Antarctica. But of course, in the north, we have much more, um, landmass. So we can actually head to different places. Um, they usually occur pretty much during the whole year. But of course, um, during the Arctic summer, you can't see them as daylight is just so much brighter. Um, as you mentioned, you have to go to a place which is really dark near cities. They're usually not visible because of the light pollution. Um, November to February usually offer the darkest skies and the longer evenings for sky gazing. Um, although the best times really to spot them is close to the uh, equinoxes due to some of the, um, you know, 
um, on magnetic field, um, that's usually the best time. There is an explanation for this, but uh, I never got into that deeply into the um, to into this physics. Anyway, um, so it's it's a great time really in autumn and springtime to see them, and usually the best time is between. 11 p.m. and midnight. That's the best sighting of the Aurora Borealis. So in Europe, if you want to go and see them, um, you usually head out to Scandinavia. Now, Scandinavia is basically, um, well, all these Scandinavian countries is traditionally Norway, Sweden. You will not be really able to see them in Denmark. It's too far south. But you can also see them in Finland, which is sometimes counted as part of Scandinavia, even though the, um, the people and the language is slightly different or even head north to Russia. Then, of course, the Faroe Island or Greenland, which are part of Denmark, basically, is a great place to see the Northern Lights. And um, the Shetland Islands in Scotland, basically, is um, is a kind of secret tip um, where you can see them with a little bit of luck. Um, so you can basically book horseback riding holidays with night expeditions to observe the Northern Lights in Sweden, Norway, Iceland, and Finland. And there's even apps for your mobile um, you can download in order to, you know, which tell you the best times and the best places to see them. So they're quite handy if you go up there to see them, um, download the app and check it out um, when you have the best times to spot them. It is, pardon me, it is quite interesting when, you, when you're going through some of those northern companies, like the different um, the different tour operators that, that offer those Northern tours, how that is lots of times that's like kind of, you know, in the highlights, you know, that you get to see the Northern lights, the Aurora Borealis. Um, but a lot of people, like there is that misconception, um, that it's like super, super cold all the time there when it really isn't like I, um, I've been following Iceland because it's on my bucket list. Um, and when it was miserably storming last week in Saskatchewan, um, I actually looked to see what the temperature was in Reykjavik and it was like still plus nine Celsius and it was minus 19 Celsius where I was. And I'm like, oh, so you could still go riding in, in Iceland in November and it not even be that like, well, it would still be chilly, but not, you know, when you think of Northern riding, it isn't always minus a billion, right? No, that's right. I, I guess it depends a lot whether you are in like in Iceland, which is an island or near the coastline where it's generally not quite as cold, but usually a bit wetter right. uh, as compared to if you go inland, like you are in Canada in the middle of the continent, or if you go to continental Scandinavia, like in the middle of Sweden uh, or in the middle of Norway or Finland, where you get really deep, uh, temp like low temperatures in wintertime mm -hmm. um, when you're really inland. So there it's much colder than when you're at the coast. Yeah, that's right, actually. Yes. So you should research your the place you want to go very carefully and then decide on what clothes to take. Yes, that's for sure. Um, one actually place here that I found uh, that isn't too far from um, from Calgary um, in the Bragg Creek region, which again is just you're still in the foothills. But um, what they've done is, so in lots of areas, once the snow hits, they start grooming the trails for the cross-country skiers, sometimes for the snowmobilers. Um, those like the, um, I'm sure in Europe, the same, the fat bikes, like the bikes with those really big fat tires on them. Well, lots of those bike trails are now being shared with equestrians. So you're able to go take your take your own horse and go on these trail rides. You know, it's a uh, you know, you've checked the temperature. It's going to be a nice sunny day um, and you can head out. You know, they have specific 
trails still still designed for equestrians. Now you do have to share them with with the cyclists, um, but it's a great way to still be able to do some trail riding in the winter time. Um, some tips that I did come across, um, if you do plan on doing, um, you know, some, some serious trail riding. So, you know, away from your farm, away from your boarding place where, you know, you know, the trail riding in the wintertime that a lot of people do is they just, you know, kind of ride down the ditch or, or ride around the pasture where they're familiar. But if you're going to an actual trail, um, because, you know, the trails do vary with the weather. They can, you know, if it warms up and then cools off again, they can become icy. Some are steep and narrow. Um, you, you know, obviously using good judgment when you're choosing the trail. Um, but you may want to talk with your farrier about putting, um, you know, I, I don't want to call them grips. They refer to them as sharps, um, you know, yeah, okay. uh, steel mm. shoes or borium or even um, corks like the jumpers use for just that little extra, extra grip. Um, yeah. But one thing to keep in mind when you are on those shared uh, trails with cyclists, with, you know, cross country skiers, those kind of things is that many other trail users may not be familiar with horses um, and may not really understand how to safely pass. Um, so, you know, it, it's really important that, you know, it's easier for you to move your horse into deeper snow um, or and, and use your voice if they come up. Um, OK, I, I'm going to just move to the left. I'll stop you go by kind of thing, um, because unfortunately, sometimes, you know, they they panic. Oh my God! What do I do? And um, but yeah. you know, making sure that you're uh, that you're using using your voice and, and those kind of things. But communication generally, I think, is important if you if you're out on trail, whether it's winter or summer, right? Yeah. Uh, the problem is in winter you often don't hear other people coming up because in snow it's quite uh, the snow kind of. Um, sucks up all the noise insulates it yeah but yeah. i but i do think that you know the places that you traditionally go uh, trail riding in the summertime check them out because they may offer winter trail riding there might be two tracks yep. you know one that they've groomed specifically for the cross-country skiers which they will ask you know uh you know that this the ski tracks you definitely want to avoid but the tracks that this the bikes and those kind of things um can easily be shared with with the horses so um that that's something definitely to check out and i am seeing more and more of that where you know they're they have a nice big parking lot so you can pull up with your rig um unload and be able to go for you know even a, a couple hour ride um to uh to enjoy your horse in the in the winter time yeah. Yeah. And I think there's lots of places offering rides during winter. Um, of course, most of these trail rides may be shorter and they may be less strenuous because we don't want to, um, um, make the horse sweat that much, but it's still a very special um, experience you should consider, be it with your own horse or just heading out with an outfitter. And, um, the good thing is many places, many of these outfitters not only offer horseback riding, but they offer an, a lot of other exciting winter mm -hmm. sports and activities you can participate in um, while doing your holiday there. So actually, most places um, where you go for winter riding will offer you some sort of other additional experiences because it's simply not so nice to ride for like eight hours like you'd might do in summer um, because first of all there's not enough light second of all it's really cold so most of the riders um, they're happy with a three to four hour ride in the sun 
but um, maybe not with a six to eight hour ride in the semi-darkness. So it's it's actually quite often the case that uh, lots of these outfitters offer you um, other places. So one of the outfitters I was looking at because I'm planning to head in that area um, is a place called uh, Horses of Tiger. Now, the Tiger is uh, an area in northern um, Europe and also Russia, which basically consists of smallish trees, mostly um, pine trees. And um, this place is actually located in Sweden near the um, city of Schleftea. And uh, I know the city because my son started study or started uh, his uh, pilot training there. So I was anyway interested in going and visiting him. And of course, combining it with a horse riding holiday would be my kind of dream vacation. So they offer two programs, two longer holiday programs in winter, which is called one is called Horses and Snow. And the, un the other one is a winter riding adventure. So it, basically the same program, but the horse and snow last like for a full week while the other one is just, I think, five days. And um, there is like um, lots of different things they offer. Like um, they have Icelandic horses. Um, they'll go usually for two, three, four hours rides and um, you can do lots of other things. Like you can see um, the Sami people. Now Sweden or the northern area of Sweden, Norway and Finland is called Lapland. And Lapland is um, very well known for its reindeer uh, cultivation or reindeer breeding, perhaps we can say. Now, most of the people breeding reindeers, they are the Sami people. They are like the indigenous, like the native people of Scandinavia. And it's very interesting because they have been herding and breeding Samis and living uh, reindeers and living with them for like centuries, for probably millennia. So it's very interesting to go and visit one of these reindeer farms. And that's what you can do while um, doing a holiday there with them. And then, of course, you can um, you you can um, do that like uh, cross country skiing. You can uh, you can. Um, do um, a dog sledging day. You can really do a lot of different things. You can do ice fishing. So there's actually lots of activities you can do besides uh, the horse riding. Plus, Scandinavia is very well known for its sauna culture. So usually in the evening, um, people heat up the sauna. And um, then this is what you do. Sit in the sauna, heat up and uh, soak up the heat of this uh, wonderful institution and then head out in the cold snow and, uh, you know, cool off your body. And this is considered to be very uh, healthy. And personally, I like uh, doing um, sauna as well. It's quite popular uh, in Germany, not so much in India, but there it's too hot, really. And this is definitely something you will experience while being on a vacation in Scandinavia. Well, you, you know, interesting that you say that, uh, that not only these combo kind of winter holidays being because it's cold, you don't spend as long outside compared to summer where you can be outside from morning till night. Um, so here in Western Canada, very similar. Uh, we have a uh, different, different tour operators that offer, you know, similar type things. Um, sleigh rides are hugely popular. Um, I don't know the one company in Banff. Uh, I think they're, they do like romantic ones for two. Uh, and I, I saw a little stat that it's like every 10th person, there's a, an engagement happening while they're in there. Um, but there's cross country skiing, the dog sledding. Um, so just west of Calgary, uh, in that, um, you know, Banff, Canmore region, um, the Olympics were held here, uh, back in 1988. So there's the big Canmore Nordic Center where they have bobsled, where they have luge, where, um, they have all of those like 
cool um, Olympic sports things that you can go and tour. Um, there's tubing. There is a natural hot springs uh, in Banff, which is uh, very popular where you can go and actually soak in the thermal waters. Um, but also in the Kananaskis area, they have um, like it's a thermal spa where you go from the the warm hot water into the cold and like you said it's very therapeutic to uh it's supposed you know it cleanses the uh supposed to help cleanse the toxins out where you you know you start in a sauna and a sauna um and I think what I refer to a sauna in North America is different than a sauna that you refer to in Europe. So there's dry sauna and wet sauna. So one where you sit and you just sweat. Um, and then there's the the wet sauna, which is steam. And then there's the spa where you're actually in, in a pool, a hot pool kind of thing. So um, all of these things that you can do in conjunction with doing a winter ride, doing a winter sleigh ride or a hay ride. Um, they do barbecue or uh, not barbecue. Uh, like at the end, you can have a wiener roast where you have hot chocolate and roast marshmallows. And, uh, you know, it's very, you know, lots of families come out and because not everybody, if you're not, if not everybody's a rider, everybody likes to go for a sleigh ride. Uh, and, you know, especially at Christmas time, singing Christmas carols and having hot chocolate, maybe a little uh, Bailey's in their hot chocolate to keep you warm. Um, but that's one nice thing about uh, about winter in Western Canada, even Eastern Canada has has these things too, where you can incorporate um some horse riding, some or or horsey type things with the sleigh rides, um, but also if you like to cross country ski, if you like to downhill ski, uh, tubing, hot springs, all of those things are available. Yeah, yeah, I think this is one of the thing in winter time. It's better to you know to do different activities, not so long, mm -hmm. and there's like plenty of things. Now, one of the things I really wanted to introduce to you also is the concept of the ice hotel. That's something you have, I think, in Sweden. There's one in Finland. There's different ones. I was looking at the one in Kiruna. Kiruna is uh, a city in northern Sweden. I think it's one of the capital of Northern Lights. So it's one of the places a lot of people had if they want to see Northern Lights and experience some of the Swedish wilderness and here you can uh, stay overnight in a real proper ice hotel. Now this hotel really is formed made out of ice. All the rooms are made out of ice and you sleep on an ice bed which Ooh. is basically made out of cut out of a block of ice and they they put like lots of furs on top so you can sleep nicely and warmly into this furs. I personally still cannot imagine this experience really but it's one of the things I want to uh, definitely do when I go up uh, in winter uh, there and um, I feel or I personally believe it's pretty cool to sleep in a hotel made of ice. Ice. Yeah, even though I think I'm not sure if that's really very comfortable, but um, yeah, I'm definitely going to book a night there. Well, that's super fun. So uh, there, they do have those things here in Canada too. So it's referred to the Hotel de Glace. I'm sure it's probably <laughs> there's probably a, a French pronunciation of it. Yeah, but it, it describes it as a unique winter experience, an unforgettable Nordic night. With its ma majestic vaults of snow, its ice sculptures in your dreamy rooms, the only ice hotel in America is transformed every winter to amaze you. And yet you sleep on a block of ice and and uh, like Uta said, you know, they put sleeping bags and furs and yet you're basically 
uh, in an ice castle. So, but I would suspect that like um, igloo or a Quincy, um, once mm. you're in there, the snow does insulate um, and your body heat would would keep you warm. So, because, you know, yeah. the, the indigenous people that live in, in the Arctic, um, in Northern Canada, in Northern, uh, you know, when you look every, you know, when you look at the globe from the top, the, where the North Pole is all the way around, you know, you got a big chunk of Canada is in there. And then, but also on the other side, you got a big chunk of um, uh, um, Russia, um, and and people live there. So so those um, those igloos, the Quincy's, the ice ice houses. Um, so, but yeah, no, uh, this particular one in Valcarche, uh, it you you it's not cheap. It's four hundred dollars a night to stay there, uh, but it would definitely be a, a bucket list item to uh, to say. Hey, I slept in an ice hotel and it was yeah. super cool. Yeah, it's definitely a bucket list item. Um, same here. Uh, I mean, the one in, in Corona isn't cheap either. It's probably around, around about the same. I think it's 200, uh, euro per person per night in a double room. So it's, uh, very similar. Another experience, uh, which is really, really cool. Um, did you know that Father Christmas or Santa Claus or whatever you want to call him has a home? Now, this hometown actually is uh, Rovaniemi in Finland. Um, it's located directly on the Arctic, Arctic Circle and you have um, Santa Claus Village there, which you can visit. And um, you can meet Santa Claus, of course, all year round because it's his home. So he stays there. And uh you can basically, it's like a little bit of a theme park. It looks a little bit like a Disneyland kind of thing. But of course, it's very cool to visit there in winter when it's snowy and you have this Christmas feeling there. Um, you can meet the reindeers. There's a reindeer farm. Uh, you can, uh, do a reindeer slide ride. You can, uh, you can ride there, um, near or basically in the city or. I mean, what means city? We, we think we have a different, um, idea of a city than people in Finland or in Scandinavia, where cities are far more outspread and have far less people than we have here. So it's not really a city city, but it's more like a huge outspread town. So, um, in this place, there is, um, there's a very interesting, um, resort. It's called the Apoka Adventure Resort. And you can do horse rides there. They have ice, they have, um, fjord horses and, uh, you can do both, uh, horse, um, sledge rides or slide rides as well as winter, uh, rides. Um, or you can also do summer rides. But as I said, we are talking about the winter times here. Um, so you can also ride with them due into the snow. And, uh, of course you can also go for dog sledging adventures and, uh, reindeer slide rides and all this stuff. So this is like, um, yes. Yeah, as I said, it's really a very interesting little place. And it's also some place probably um, on a bucket list for a lot of people, because I mean, it's just cool to be up there on the Arctic Circle and to meet Santa Claus. And there is Santa Claus main post office. So you can write a postcard to your loved ones, which will get um, stamped as the Santa Claus main post office. So that's well, another very cool place. Well, and fun fact, and I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but the reindeer at this time of year with all of their horns are are actually female reindeer. So it doesn't surprise me that Santa would have the lady reindeers are the ones that pull his sleigh. So because they're really, we know, us uh, us ladies know we can get the job done. So I yeah, actually exactly. saw some, saw uh, 
some reindeer a couple of days ago, there were, I was at a Christmas market and they had, uh, had some on display where you could get your photo taken with them. So super fun. Definitely. Yes. Well, thanks so much, Uta. It was super fun chatting about uh, all these fun places. At the end of the day, I would still like to go riding in Hawaii in, in the winter time, but you know, sometimes you gotta just go with what you got at home. Um, so, so stay warm. Uh, I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah. And don't miss our next episode because we are going to talk about, um, how to ride in winter, how to prepare yourself and your horse for winter rides, for the cold weather. Um, so it's also going to be very interesting. So yeah, it was really cool chatting with you and I love winter rides and I'm definitely hoping that very soon I have my own personal horse riding winter adventure experience. So let's just see. I'll definitely keep you in the loop. Okay. So it was Perfect. lovely chatting with you and have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. On behalf of Uta and myself, we do look forward to you joining us again soon. If you like the show, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you will not miss any new episodes in the future. If you'd like to give us some feedback or suggest a topic for a future show, please send us an email or message us via Facebook or simply leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. The greater reviews we receive, the more like-minded people can find our show. And don't forget to check out all the great things on our website, equestrianadventuresses.com. Our goal is to provide you with all the information you need to feel confident to go out on your own equestrian adventure. So until next time, adventuresses, happy trails!